HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes it feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. A couple of weeks ago, the Beer Sessions Radio team went up to Cooperstown, New York for Brewery Omegang's annual beer festival, Belgian Comes to Cooperstown. We spent an entire weekend camping at the brewery and talking to the brewers, beer reps, chefs, bar owners, and beer fans that make this festival such an awesome event. Tonight we bring you part two of our two-part special taped on the grounds at Brewery Omegang, where we had the pleasure of tasting countless great beers, both in the official tasting tent and out on the campgrounds, where festival goers share some of their special treats. We hope you enjoy this unique episode of Beer Sessions Radio. Makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind. We were lucky to sit down with both the president of Brewery Omegang, Simon Thorpe, and Omegang's head brewer, Phil Leinhart, while we were up in Cooperstown. Through our conversations, we learned a lot about Omegang's expansion as well as their involvement in the anti-fracking movement that is gaining momentum in New York State. We caught up with Simon Thorpe just moments before the VIP dinner on Friday night. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio with Heritage Radio Network. We're up in Cooperstown at the annual uh, Belgium Comes to Cooperstown event at Omegang Brewery. I'm sitting with Simon Thorpe, the president of Omegang, and we're going to have a nice little conversation out here in the open air. We're sitting at the fire pit uh, as, as the uh, opening uh, VIP dinner is about to start. This is an awesome festival, and Simon will, will join in on it. This is our third year recording uh, with Beer Sessions Radio. Uh, we know that there's probably 500 of the top uh, beer reps, and uh, definitely New York City beer bars are here uh, celebrating along with people from Pennsylvania and uh, and New York. Simon, what, what, what's it like for you every year doing this festival? Hey, Jimmy. Welcome back. It's great to have you back again. Um, I mean, 
you know yourself th- this festival is not the biggest in the country by any stretch um, I mean we cap this out at just under 3,000 people it sells out in four minutes and it's just built this beautiful reputation over the last nine years for being not the biggest but the most beautiful uh, festival in the country and uh, we're real proud of that well you must be really proud of, of your roots uh, you were founded by Americans who are also importers of Belgian uh, Wendy and uh, Wendy and Don Wendy and Don uh, and uh, now you're you're owned by a Belgian company. Yeah, we're in fact um, when Wendy and Don started the brewery, they were backed uh, by a consortium of Belgian breweries, including uh, Mortgat family uh, and uh, Afflegam and a couple of others. And then um, back in 1972, uh, Michel Mortgat bought out the the other uh, investors and uh, and went Don and Wendy. And at that point, we put together the Duval Mortgat brands, so Duval and Maritzus and Schuf, Leafmans and so on. Uh, with the Omegang brands and created a, a, a farmhouse brewery here in uh, upstate New York, which is the basis for, for everything we do in the U.S. Well, I remember when, when Omegang first started, I had, a, I had an old restaurant in New York City, and it, the story behind it was so intriguing. <laughs> and the, the story that there was some Belgian, you know, style beers and Belgian influence coming to New York, it, it, it took a while for it to sink into my head. But now that I'm up here, whenever I drive up here, I, I can't get I can't get away from it. I want a beer. I don't want to leave here, and I want to keep drinking beer. There's something magical about this place. I, I don't know what it is, but you know, people come here, and you know, wholesalers, retailers, they come and they go. Yeah, yeah, we've seen breweries all around the country, and we know what they look like. They come here somewhat cynical and then there's something happens up here it is this magic of upstate new york and there's the beauty of belgian style beers um which you know i mean it's the top of the pyramid and they come here they experience what we've got on this 150 acre farmstead brewery in in upstate new york and there's something magic it just gets into the beer and it gets into the way that people think about us and uh, they leave us friends well you've done so many things the last couple of years with the brewery I'm, I'm sitting behind it right now if you could see it it's it's a big white building it looks like an old farmhouse maybe amish looking and these giant silos uh that are fermenters i mean how, how many years did it take to uh make these changes because when, you, when did you start? Two years ago, right? Three years ago now. Three years ago. Yeah, three years. Uh, I mean, in the last three years, we've doubled the size of the company, and um, we've invested about $14 million here, um, mainly in the packing hall and in, on the brew side, and improving the quality. So we built a world-class laboratory here. We've uh, we built automated packing, bottling operation, and uh, and put an automated kegging line in. So, you know, for a small brewery, that, that's really exciting stuff. I mean, you, you kind of get your hands on all this wonderful kit that... And we're blessed because Duval sends us from Belgium all the stuff that they don't need anymore because they're always experimenting with new equipment. And it's great because they send us all the toys that they don't need anymore, and we get them all here. So... That's been a wonderful thing in the last couple of years, and uh, it's transformed the brewery. And as you say, I mean, we're adding big 360 fermenters here once every six months at the moment, and uh, long may that continue. Let's get a little serious talking about the local, uh, local, uh, you know, economy and and you know, fans in the region. I had lunch in Sharon Springs today, and uh, I mentioned I was coming to Own Gang, and and the woman who worked there said, "Yes, she had been to a concert here." That's how she knows you. <laughs> um, but getting a little a deeper into the region, I know that you've talked about the importance of water to your beer. I know that there's a, there's a this is one of the centers of anti-fracking uh, movement in in the state. And we know in New York we've been involved. There's chefs from Marcellus, your marketing guy Larry Bennett. It's been down to the city. There's been some events. Uh, 
What's your position officially on uh, fracking in this county? Uh, I mean, up here, frac- fracking is a it, it's a very divisive issue, um, and you know, in v- the Reader's Digest version is that. Um, Underneath the Marcellus Shale here, there are huge reserves of gas, and at some point they need to be developed. Right now, the technology to do it is not safe, and the basic issue that we've got with it is not that at some point you shouldn't develop it, but right now, the technology that exists pollutes the water and the aquifers, and very few people know that here in upstate New York, we have pretty much in this country the most perfect water for making beer. Everyone thinks of kind of Rocky Mountains and all that stuff, but... New York State water is about as pitch perfect as you could ever want for making beer. Uh, it's some of the finest water in the country, and no one knows that. It's one of the reasons we, we ended up starting here as a brewery. And our position is real simple. You can't make world-class beer with polluted water. And we've seen examples already. I mean, this, this isn't kind of some theory stuff. There are problems in Pennsylvania, in Wyoming, in Texas, where... Entire watercourses have been polluted forever by uh, by fracking, and it's real simple. I mean, at some point you have to stick your head up and say we're going to stand for something important. Uh, it's important for this community, um, and from that point of view, we it's not that we're against gas drilling we just want safe technology for it and it ain't here yet this stuff isn't going away it's been here for 300 million years and it ain't going away in a hurry so let's take our time to make sure that we develop this correctly well we're we're really uh, proud of you guys and it's another uh i think it makes something that makes you guys at omega stand out uh, your commitment to the water and the environment, and you know, so much of New York State agriculture is tied into that. Um, so, thank it makes you. Me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're up here in Cooperstown at the Omega Gang Festival. Belgium comes to Cooperstown. Uh, it's Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger, Phil Leinhardt, the uh, brewer from Omega Gang, and we're trying to find this guy, Luke Manson, who's bringing us beer. The the, the fun part of, of coming to this festival is that every time you go to, there's some of the best beer that you, you ever have tried in your life. So, Dave, what, what, what beers have you had so far? You're, you're really like the dean of this event. Um, I had the uh, yeah, I had the uh, the Lagunitas little something goose, little goosey was freaking that was really really good. And then the uh, the Allagash, the uh, Resurgence was really good too. I thought both of those were great. Oh, and the Berlinerweiss from Peekskill, Jeff O'Neill's beer. Yeah, I mean, there's so many beers that we try up here. New breweries coming up. I saw, I saw a brewery called Chatham, and there's beers that I've Adirondack. There's, there's breweries that I've never had before and every year there's new new breweries up here phil what do you think about that i mean you're you're a brewer but this is also like the coolest beer fest for new and -and up-and-coming breweries in the northeast yeah i mean it's uh i know we have some different breweries this year we probably lost some breweries too with the uh the new york uh laws but um it's a great uh it's a great venue and I, i love this is a great place to live but uh Beer choice-wise, it's not the best to get a decent selection. I have to go to Albany, so uh, especially at this event, I try to get out there and, and taste as much different stuff that I can't get locally because uh, I really like the different beers, and it's nice to know what everybody's doing. All I know is that your job as as brewer or brewmaster uh, encompasses many things. I mean, Luke, what's Luke, your, who's this guy? Luke. Luke, what's your name? Luke Manson. What's up? My name is Luke, Luke what Manson. What beer are we drinking? We're drinking the Mission Dark Seas Imperial Stout. Very nice. 
Which is what? Somebody brought in a growler? Awesome, right? We brought it yeah. from the Vine Tiger in the growler, yeah. So we're talking about brewers. So as job as brewer for Oma Gang, you're not just making beer. So do you oversee these things like digging yeah, I mean, trenches and, and yeah, I mean, wastewater? Uh, I'm very... Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of great people here. We have a lot of great brewers, uh, managers, quality control managers, new product manager. Uh, I'm very focused on the big picture right now. Uh, I mean, I, I instituted changes in the process, and people are following that. But uh, I'm my big thing this year is this wastewater plan. I've got to make sure that goes through on time and so forth. And Sometimes as you, it's kind of the catch-22 as you move up in a company, uh, you know, always like working, I don't, I'm not on the floor turning valves. I, I've done that, you know, I've, you know, in various jobs, uh, but now I have to focus on the big picture, long view, you know, and that's uh, the way that, that happens sometimes. So when you when you finish the wastewater uh, treatment plant, how what, what, what will your capacity be at that point? Well, we'll be able to go up to about uh, with the current plant with about about seventy five thousand hectoliters per year, uh, but we're building it in such a way that we can that we can double it without too much um, too much work. And that's you know when you're doing projects like that, we build everything with a view to the future, like. We don't want to box ourselves into a corner, so you, you always build something with like to be to be able to expand it without too much effort, you know, or, or able to do that uh, easily. And a hectoliter is how many barrels again? Uh, multiply a hectoliter by eight point five point eight five two two. So it's, okay. so it's just it's fairly close, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Barrels about eighty five percent of a hectoliter. So what uh, this year? What was um, the innovative? Don't you have a um, sort of a, a program where a brewer gets to make yeah, something yeah. each I year? Yeah, yeah. We have the whole innovation program where that's four uh, four special beers a year. Uh, and with Jason Parrish, who is our director of new new products, he comes up with some of the ideas. I come up with the idea like beer to Hugamont was my beer. Uh, other special beers we're getting the brewers more involved because it, we have a lot of talented people here and it's uh it's something i really want to uh you know put kind of put forth to, that people can develop their recipes i mean we may go through tweaks as we pilot brew the beers and test brew the beers but uh it's great to be able to let these guys flex their wings a little bit and so the beer to guard was this year's uh with the left okay there you go there you go yeah the beer to guard was that the uh, latest innovation that the uh, it's one? the current one the current. it's out now and that yeah that that was originally uh my recipe and i, I always love those beers i love malt i mean some people are hop heads i'm i would say i'm more of a malt head. uh and so i love that style uh a lot of different malts uh fermented cooler to accentuate the raw ingredients rather than the fermentation esters and higher alcohols and things like that. Uh, and so I'm pretty happy. And then we aged it on uh, oak and maple staves, which was a real uh, expedition getting those into these one of these tall tanks. You know, usually when you age on wood on staves, you have a horizontal tank and you can just put them into the open manway and then close the manway and pump the beer in there. But 
with our tanks being all vertical, we had to build like a uh, uh, like a Lincoln Logs fence of these uh, staves up in, in the cone of the of the fermenter. But we got it all in there, and it has a nice subtle wood character to it. Not overpowering. It's a nice subtle woodiness to it. Well, that sounds awesome, Phil. One more thing. Uh, tell us your two favorite. We just did a, a Hop Chefs. It's your special food and beer pairing right. festival. We had a chef from Philly, D.C., New York, and, and Albany. What are your two favorite Oma Gang beers for pairing with food? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say our Abbey Ale and uh, Rare Boss. They're just... Uh, I like those beers... I like all our beers standalone, but I mean, uh, those beers lend themselves. Abbey Ale pairs with a lot of different meat dishes, and the Rare Voss is a very food-friendly beer, I think, especially for, like, pub food, hamburgers, and things like that. And they were both used today, actually, in the Hop Chef um, pairing. New York chose the Abbey, and and, um, the guy who made the sauce, who he was the guy who won, right? The sauce, the Philly guy. George, Yeah, Yeah, he he, did uh, did the Rare Voss, yeah. They've got a great new program, Hop Chefs, uh, Oma Gang, where they're, they're owned by Belgian, uh, you know, brewing and Duvel and all this stuff. But anyways, uh, food and beer pairings is kind of the next frontier for, for craft beer, and uh, Oma Gang's one of the leaders, and they, and they did the Hop Chef, and uh, it's been great. But I just want to say thanks so much for listening in. It's uh, Beer Sessions Radio. Well, I So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just have your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. One of the great attractions of Belgian Comes to Cooperstown is the opportunity to taste beers from small regional brewers that you might not have the chance to have in your area. We spoke to two such brewers, Bill Herlica of White Birch Brewing in New Hampshire and Sean Lawson of Lawson's Finest Liquids in Vermont. One of the the newer small breweries from New England, uh, Bill Herlica has a White Birch Brewing up in New Hampshire. He's uh, here exhibiting under the main tent. At the Oma Gang Fest, and uh, Bill, how are you? Nice, nice to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you guys as well. Pleasure being here. It's our third year at Belgium Comes Cooperstown. Um, kind of wild to think it's three years. People ask me how long have you been in business. I'm like three years. So like, how many years have you been up here? I'm like three years. I think it really kind of speaks to Oma Gang's openness to the craft beer scene, and frankly. 
Why would they worry about competition? There is no one that can replicate what they have here. This is an amazing scene, an amazing weekend. I would do it, except you'd be on pavement, bordering fences and houses. Um, it really wouldn't be the same. Um, but this is a lot of fun, you know. And like I said, it's our third year being here. Um, now, what beers did you bring to the festival? Sure. Um, under the main tent, we have our Belgian-style pale ale. We have our Hooksadale, which is a Belgian IPA. We have our Hop to Wit, which is our new summer seasonal. It's a Belgian wit with pink peppercorns and grapefruit peel. And then we brought our Triple IPA, which is a uh, Belgian triple and American IPA hop hybridization that we did with Martha's Exchange of Nashua, New Hampshire. They're a brew pub that's been around for 18 years. Um, Say that again. What's so cool is that Buddha said we have the triple IPA and he handed it to me, but it's not open, and thus the fest. Bill, you're gonna have to open your own beer out here. You know, there's we're not in studio. All right, we live high. You know, the high life at Roberta's in Bushwick in Brooklyn is where we usually record, but we're actually on a field in uh, upstate New York. So, but I, I want to know how do you guys start? We, we, you know, we've interviewed before, but I'm still amazed that you can be a small brewer and get started and uh, make your own beer. Well, since we uh, last spoke, um, I was in a 3,400-square-foot building, and we had doubled to take over that space. We got running full tilt and realized we needed way more space. We moved in September of last year to a 10,000-square-foot building. It happened to be a former used car dealership. The beauty of it is it came with bay doors and floor drains already cut. And, uh, you know... It's a lot of room to grow. It's not really what you might consider an ideal brewery, but it has lots of parking for events. And did I mention it has floor drains already cut and permitted? That's not an easy thing to do. Um, Are you American? I'm sorry? (laughs) Are you American? Yes. Did you have to deal with the wastewater issues? Um, We were already a known entity for two years in the town of Hooksit. When we moved from one part of the town to the other, everyone signed off on us. We've worked hard to build good relationships with our town so that they understand who we are, what we're doing, how we go about doing what we're doing, because we are a highly regulated industry, and if you think you're going to do things without conversations and involving the different bodies that govern what we do, you're going to quickly find the answer is no. And if you go down that route, you don't get an easy recovery from the first no. Um, so we work closely with the town. The town sees us as an asset to the, uh, the traffic and the business in the area. So it's been a nice move for us. Um, in fact, I'm excited to say, here we grow again. Um, we bought a 15-barrel bright tank. We have a new glycol system. Um, I've burned up eight drill bits trying to drill into concrete. I am the worst guy at doing it, but you know, this is how it gets done. Um, we're running the glycol lines to the bright tank so we can force carbonate and grow our kegging business. You know, as we've started three years ago, 15 to 20 gallons a batch, it was a lot of fun. And it was all bottles, because bottles is what I knew. Bottles is how we started. As we've grown, people like the beers, but they say, when are we going to see you on draft? We want you on draft more. We tried naturally carbonating kegs. We've listened to back history of Oma Gang, um, Allagash, other breweries that shared their stories about their forays into kegging. And so the consensus answer is you got to force carbonate to be able to do it properly, do it reliably and efficiently. Um, 
We have a keg washer. We have a bright tank. We've got all these great toys, and we're about 10 days from having it all running. Um, it's a really exciting time. It's a really crazy, hard-working time. But, you know, this is brewing at its basis, trying to grow, trying to understand how to grow, listening to your customers. Um, and we're fortunate that our customers say, get us more draft now. And we're finding ways to do it. Bill, that's great. I mean, when we first had you, I loved your bottle condition bottles. And, and your, yes, it's true, your kegs were, you know, not as predictable as people or acceptable as people had hoped. And I know you've been working on that. Um, one of the beers I had today that I really liked, uh, was it the Hop to Wit? Yes. It was, that was a new beer for you, right? Yes. Well, you know, when we started small, we made a lot of different beers. I think we've released over 70 beers. Um, in over three years special projects collaborations you know we've run the gamut I like to say I have more ideas than I have fermenters in time Um, but as we've grown we've also listened to our customers and you know draft is a huge thing it's been a huge request for the last couple years Um, they're also asking us to be a little more predictable to help sell the brand you know they want one to three flagships they want seasonals they like a special beer, but, you know, when you grow out of um, a specialty beer store and you get accepted into, like, a major mainstream channel like Trader Joe's, I don't know if you guys know Trader Joe's, but, uh, you know, that's, like, a heck of a store. Trader Joe's loves our Hooks at Ale. I mean, they're just going nuts with our Hooks at Ale, which is exciting, but it's also a little, like, eye-opening for me that a, one place can sell that much beer. And so as we've looked at what we're doing, we're, we're trying to get to a more predictable, streamlined seasonals. We still have some special projects like the collaboration beers. Um, we're working on an idea with Sap House Meadery of Center Ossipee, New Hampshire, for a uh, Belgian stout using blueberries in the honey and maple syrup. Um, I can't wait for that. The test batch was phenomenal. But, you know, when we look at how do we get from where we've been to the next stage, you know, focusing on beers as dedicated draft, going to natural carbonation. For example, I learned a lot about CO2 and regulators and bars that either have a regulator for every line, like Blind Tiger, and bars that have one regulator that might be overworked for, like, 20 lines. And the fact that a naturally conditioned keg... No one wants to, you know, make an adjustment to make the beer work right because it's a a naturally conditioned beer. They want no thought. They want to click it and go. And so it was a learning thing for us, and, you know, we've listened, and we're responding to that by adding this equipment to be able to, you know, give our customers what they want. I think, you know, it would be safe to say any business you want to profile There's a maturation process to that business. And when you're in brewing, just like restaurants, just like bars, you know, hopefully five years later you're smarter than you were when you started up. You know, we can all look back and say, man, when I first opened, God, I can't believe we made it through what we made it through. Um, I think what you're going to see in the brewing industry um, is a lot of what, like, we're going through, which is stepping into the next steps of more mainstream where you've got to be able to bring on some of those tools you've got to be able to go to more mainstream techniques to be able to get to that next level of customer 
There's always a place for a, a small batch brewer. There's always someone looking for a growler or something made small somewhere nearby. There's always room for Led Zeppelin. You know? That's our awesome closeout ever. Daniel Lanigan from Lord Hobo just came and like, and his, this is about the Oma Gang Festival. He had the transistor radio in his, his breast pocket. It's all about control. Yeah, this is so cool. But hey, hey, there is no control. I'll tell you what, we're here on uh, Beer Sessions Radio Heritage Radio Network. And coming up September 8th uh, at Rockaway Beach, Barrels and Kegs. It's going to be a cool New York regional beer festival. Check it out, GooperSeal.com, our sponsor, and uh, GreatBrewers.com. It's been great. We're up here at Cooperstown. Thank you so much. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're up here in Cooperstown at the Omegang Beer Fest. Belgium comes to Cooperstown. Uh, last year's festival, we were here. Um, the number one beer, according to Serious Seats, was uh, Sean Lawson's collaboration with the brewery. Sean, tell us about that beer, because that was awesome. And you're here today. Ah, right on. Well, thanks, Jimmy. Uh, that was the Acer Quercus, and uh, it was a great honor to head out to California and brew with those guys at the brewery. Uh, Tyler King, the head brewer out there, and Patrick Brew, the owner, uh, was a great experience working with them. And we used a little bit of uh, maple from Vermont that we shipped out and some, uh, some American oak to put together a dark, uh, sort of spicy uh, beer with rye and some smoke character, some house smoke malt, and... Uh, it's aging nicely. I still have a few cases sitting around, but it was a lot of fun to brew with those guys out in California. Uh, and, it, and we had the maple is what brought us together because they do some maple beer. I do some maple beer in Vermont, and I had suggested, why don't we do a maple beer together? And they loved the idea. So it's always a thrill to get together with other brewers and make something new. Well, it's, it's one thing I, I want to talk about is that what's exciting about festivals like this is meeting other brewers and all that, but how do you end up doing a collaboration? I mean, you, you're making beer up in Vermont, and uh, these guys, the brewery, are out in San Diego. I mean, how do you like, negotiate that? How do you decide to do it? I can do it in Vermont or I can... Long Beach. Long Beach. I decided to do it there. So tell us about the collaboration process. Uh, well, every collaboration I've done is a little different. Uh, that particular one was a year in planning because they're on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. So there are a lot of details to put together, uh, shipping, freighting out the maple syrup, which we did in 55-gallon drums from Vermont. Uh, and we kicked around a recipe by email. So there was a lot of emails that went back and forth, some phone calls. We talked about a recipe. Uh, we knew we wanted to do a maple beer. And we just played around with different ideas. To, words for, uh, maple beer? Yeah, well, a couple kind of a couple years back at the 2010 uh, World Beer Cup, we had both won uh, an award. They, they in the experimental category for their uh, 100% Brett Autumn Maple. They won a gold in the experimental category, and I had won a bronze in the uh, specialty category for the Maple Triple. And so that sort of gave us the idea to get together and do a maple beer. And so it was a year from there, uh, going to the next Craft Brewers Conference in San Francisco, uh, that gave gave me the opportunity to be out on the West Coast, so I didn't have to make a trip just to make the beer. So a lot of emails, phone calls, kick around ideas, and formulate a recipe, and then we kicked around the recipe a bit and uh, came up with a final formulation on it and uh, brewed a bunch of it over a couple of days and uh, they were good enough to distribute some up to Vermont where they don't currently 
uh, so we got uh, a taste of the action, so to speak. It was great. Well, it's really fun, and I talked to you last night, and what I'm most excited about is, so you said you've expanded a little bit. You're a nano brewer. Um, I've only ever tried your beer at the, this festival in Cooperstown. Uh, so what's new, and, and how, how are you expanding, and how can you expand, and what, what does that mean if you're so small? Well, I always I always put quotations or marks around expansion because we're still in the same space. But I did upgrade my equipment, and I put in a seven-barrel brewery to replace the one-barrel that we had. So that enables me to make a lot more beer relative to a one-barrel system, but it's still a tiny like a relatively tiny amount of beer for for the for the market right now we're on track to do maybe like 400 to 425 barrels a year so there's not a lot to go around so we focus on a small number of accounts because they go through quite a bit uh in you know every week so we have about 12 places that carry the beer between just a few bottle stores and uh about 10 or 11 draft accounts and so that was really i only added a couple of accounts between a one barrel and a seven barrel system uh because at one barrel i was not even touching the demand at the existing places which was hard sometimes and stressful because it would keep running out and so that creates a problem when for the the retailer or the bar when they've got a line open or they want to carry the beer but it just keeps running out so now it's really nice that we got it to a steady place where it's on tap all the time at the accounts that have it on tap sometimes they can have several beers on tap but the bottles move a lot faster than the draft it seems it's that's a more bottomless market it's hard to keep the stuff on the shelf which is great and for my future plans right now we're just planning to stay small uh and stay local in vermont the model that we have right now is working pretty well and i've got young kids and the brewery is right by my house so i can walk to work and uh i love that situation so it's 25 feet from your front yeah it's about 25 feet from one building to the other so um, it's a good, it's a good situation. I do. It, there's a lot of long hours. Uh, I don't really have any employees. I got one helper that comes up to do uh, bottling with me one day a week. So uh, otherwise, I do pretty much everything myself. Sean, what, what, what town? What's the official location of your brewery? We're in uh, Warren, Vermont. Which everybody asks, well, where's Warren? We're right in the middle of the state, Mad River Valley, near Is Mad that River near Glen. Burlington, Waterbury. It's uh, south of Waterbury, about a half an hour south of Waterbury, about an hour from Burlington, like smack dab in the middle of the state. Yeah. What I want to know is that you're a real small brewer, you're a nano brewer. How do you make such good beer? I mean, what do you do that's different from other breweries? Uh, well, for me, fr- freshness is uh, is key for us for the styles of beer that I'm doing. Um, certainly some of the stronger beers, the higher alcohol beers, like the Imperial Styles, uh, are built to last. Like the Imperial Stout can last a while. Um, but for most of the beers, uh, we want to get them out fresh and have people drink them fresh. And so being on such a small scale, we're able to uh, get beer out and have it consumed within generally a few, like two weeks of when it's packaged into bottles or into kegs uh, unless it's a stronger style that's meant for aging Um, like the maple triple is a beer that we sit on for a whole year before it's even bottled Um, so freshness is really key and uh, just attention to detail 
uh, and uh, a focus on like making the highest quality beer we can. So I never really look at expense on a beer as a factor when I'm developing a recipe or deciding what malts or hops or how much to use. It's really about getting the end effect and the cost is what it is and accordingly the prices are a more premium beer it's a higher price beer because uh, we really spare no expense on ingredients we'll I, th- I, th- I think you've actually figured out a way to get your personality into a bottle because uh, you're definitely one of the funnest guys around and, and uh, up in VT and somehow you get that into your beer I mean, it's so funny because I'll, I'll go to festivals and you'll be there, and you know a lot of uh, great brewers are there, and and you've commented on this, and I, I poured for you one year at Vermont Brewers Fest, and there's like a herd when they open the thing up and they come thundering around the corner to That's build crazy. up that line, and it's just it's like oh, it's like freakish. Yeah, it's scary. Like yeah. they come running at you, and uh, but I, it, it, there's something you know there's something about your it's like a very it's it's great beer, but somehow you get your personality in there too. But on being to the brewer, I can't really, I can't put my finger quite on what it is that attracts all those people to the beer. Other than I know I'm trying to make the best beer I can. We keep it fresh. We keep it high quality. Um, and uh, and I love my hops. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's that passion for hops. Yeah. Somehow that yeah. gets in there. You know, but it's not just hoppy beers that we do. No, I know. Um, like the maple. The Maple Triple is the uh, is the big award winner for us, and, Sean, and the Imperial the, uh, Stout goes far the top too. Beers that yeah. you serve today at the at the Ilmagang Fest. Um, today is a is a beer that I do uh, just for the middle of summer. It's a beer that I actually created for this festival uh, three years ago. It's called Session in the Rye. It's a Belgian yeast, uh, sort of inspired by the saisons of the world. But I did rye, wheat notes, um, and American hopping on it. Um, so it's got a real uh, floral nose from the hops, but also the yeast profile works with the hops, and the spiciness of the rye sort of plays into it. And on a day like today, where you're sweating and it's super hot, it's only four and a half percent alcohol. It, it works very well. And uh, tell them about the beers that we are lucky enough to have at the campsite. Uh, one that's even lower alcohol, so even better for today is the uh, Three Penny Especial. That's another collaboration, very different process than the brewery, where the guys at the Three Penny Tap Room over in Montpelier, a fabulous beer bar, they just added a restaurant, and my beer's on tap there. Yeah, it's here at the, it's here at the campsite, yeah, you bet. And Just to make everybody jealous. Those guys, uh, you know, posed the idea to me, like, hey, we really want to come out and make a beer with you. Uh, one of the three owners is a, is a brewer, He's not currently working at a brewery because they're running the Three Penny Tap Room, but someday would like to do a brewery and has worked in other breweries. And so we kicked around a recipe. It only took us a couple weeks to put it put together. We really wanted to do a low alcohol, highly hot beer, sort of what they call the Session IPA. So it's 3.7%, and we call it the Three Penny Especial American Session Ale. So it's really hopped up, but it's light on the body. Tried to balance it out, but it's got a pretty good bite it from the hops but it it all it all works it's really refreshing for a day like today we also have the chinookard ipa which is one of my regular my old recipes uh which is a real chewy sort of good malt backbone to it and sort of aggressively hopped uh american ipa about seven percent well sean you know 
We're really so excited to be here every year and try your beers, and we're looking forward to your grow. And hopefully next year I will come up to Vermont, and I want to do a thing called Brewer as Brewers. Uh, we also have uh, Bill Herlica from uh, White Birch Brewing in New Hampshire, and he's sitting on you know stage with us listening to you. Bill, do you have any questions for, for Sean about his brewing process or anything like that? I know you do, so come on. Um, no, you know, it, it's been interesting because when I first started my business and I looked around at what the marketplace was there for brewers that were really small scale, there weren't any. And then and there was this one Lawson's Finest in Vermont. And I think we traded an email or two back and forth, um, a couple of good points, you know, certainly appreciative i think the the thing that was um the best that sean said at the time was do what you're passionate about and make that your brewery um so that was pretty cool Tommy. you know i think you know when you look in at collaborations i've done a couple of festivals in vermont and the liquor commission in that state is severe we're going to sign off here we'll say thanks so much for coming out to cooperstown thanks for listening to beer sessions radio on heritage Trade network Aside from the beer, food is another great attraction of the BCTC weekend. Everyone is starting their stuff from the chefs at the Hop Chef competition and the five-course beer pairing dinner at the VIP event to the various grills, smokers, and even vendors out on the grounds. We smoke with Hop Chef contender and Blind Tiger Alehouse chef Tommy Harder over the weekend, as well as Captain Lawrence Brewer Scott Vaccaro, who is notorious for roasting and sharing a whole pig each year. We caught up with Scott at his campsite to talk pigs and talk about his recent brewery expansion. Hey, we're here on Heritage Radio Network, Beer Sessions Radio. Welcome to the show up in uh, Cooperstown, and uh, we're here with uh, Scott Vaccaro from Captain Lawrence Brewery. What's great about uh, Scott is he's a homegrown guy from Westchester, New York, and his brewery has just expanded, but every year that I've been here, he comes up to Cooperstown and he's roasting a pig, and right now I'm eating like some of the, the skin and fat. Uh, it's the primo so, cut, Jimmy. We give you the best. Tell us about, like, you come out every year and all you do is you make a pig and cook it. Well, you know, I mean, the the, the the first year I came up here, I came up, I had such so much fun, and I said to myself, "What well, what is it missing? You know, you got a lot of beer, you got a lot of good people, you got all the good stuff. I said, you know what, the only thing you could probably make this better is a whole hog. And so, uh, that second year up, I just told Farmer John, the guy who takes our spent grain at the brewery. I said, I need a pig. And, uh, and away we went. Every year we've gone a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. And this year we had a 230 pounder. We had to cut the legs off just to fit it on the cooker. It was so big. Well, so. I'm just chewing away at the skin and ah, the fat delicious. and everything. It's awesome. But you know, you're like a great guy. I mean, you know, a few years ago, New York wasn't really about beer. And now it's like at New York Tap, there's new small breweries winning, and you guys expanded. I mean, you're in Pleasantville. Tell us about your new brewery and, and what, when it, what went into it, because it's an sure. amazing story. Yeah, so we moved about four and a half miles down the road from Pleasantville to Elmsford, and uh it took, uh, it was about a year in the works, but, you know, it was a lot of, it was a big pain in the ass, but we're happy we're there. We got all our stuff in the building, and now we got room to, you know, drive the forklift around without knocking things over. We got room to barrel age some more beers. We got, you know, room just to, we added 12-ounce bottles, so it was, it's been a huge, you know, huge undertaking, but a, a very happy undertaking, so. I heard that, you know, that every brewer has their own style, but I heard that you're actually the guy that actually does the technical work, like, 
if you for a long time if you had to work on your you know whatever lines or you know something you do work I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, full, I'm the full maintenance I'm, I, I, yeah I do maintenance there's nothing I like more actually than getting my hands a little dirty and getting in there and you know turning wrenches or uh, brazing copper or doing whatever I mean that's it's kind of how I got into it you know I always just thought the whole process was just intriguing I mean it's fascinating to me because when you first opened you had in Pleasantville you had the small uh, brewery sure and everyone me thought and one other guy. that was the coolest thing in the world and uh, first of all, what's there now? Because you guys just moved. Nothing. It's empty. All right. So now you moved, and I want to go up. To, I want to take the train from New York. So you got to stop in North White Plains or or uh, Tarrytown, and you got to hop a cab. It's probably like a ten dollar cab ride. So unfortunately, you got to pay for Metro North and a cab now. But we think you'll be happy when you get there because we have an outdoor patio, we got a bocce court, we got a huge tasting room, we have food now, meat and cheese plates, we got 12 taps instead of 5 taps. So, I mean, as as a brewery, how does it work for you? I mean, can you, do you, what do you do? People go to the brewery and what do they do? They they can fill their growlers or they get tasting? They can fill their growlers, they can pay $2 for a tasting cup and they can taste all day. They can buy pints of beer now if they don't want to wait for a tasting glass, they can just buy a 12 ounce beer. Uh, they can sit outside play bocce. They can sit in the sun and get a tan. They can get a, a plate of prosciutto and uh, mortadelle and uh, sit there and eat some cheese. I mean, they do whatever they want. It's beautiful. We love it's it. It's a fun place. Yeah, now it's, it's it's a lot more fun. Pleasantville was great. It gave us our start, but now we're in a place where it's, you know, room to, room to you know, spread your wings, if you will. And there's air conditioning. And what about your beers? Everyone's been bringing me, the, like, these somewhat sour beers in bottle. Sure. So are you making more and different beers now than ever before? We're do- literally doing a new beer every week. The new pilot system we have, seven barrels of beer, you get about 14 kegs out of it. Every week, something new. So it's uh, it's just it's a blast. We're having a blast. So what beers did you bring to uh, the festival here in Cooperstown? Up here, we brought the Extra Gold and the St. Vincent's Double, which we've been doing for years. And then we brought the Hops and Roses, which is a new, sour, uh, golden ale, Asian oak barrels with hibiscus, rose hips, and elderflowers. Hops and Roses. Wow. What I love about you is that you're establishing you know, yourself as a, as a New York brewery, but also at the festival here. Let, let's open this up. Oh, yeah. He's got this smoker. And he brings a pig every year. Because you need, you know, be- yeah. man can't live on beer alone. You need to eat, too. So Scott and I right now are just picking off meat, and other people will do that. It's it's yeah. nice pork. What's all about? Yeah. And there's other people here, like, what's cool? I mean, Brooklyn Brewery's here later. They're going to do their own uh, sing-along music night. Nice. Um, but I think you really stand out for well, your beer and your food here. I mean, who doesn't like pig? And don't close that up, Scott. No, Come right, on. Right. Keep and then, you know, we're on radio, we're not on TV, so... Nobody needs to see what's actually show. happening. We can, yeah. we can eat and talk all we want. But we're eating like a whole bag. <laughs> yeah, let me get some more of that in my yeah. mouth. Delicious. Diagnosis delicious. And it's one of our favorite pigs. Oh! Her, her, name was, uh, her name was Loretta. She was uh, three years old, 300 pounds on hoof, and she's delicious. So where'd you get your pig? Hemlock Hill Farms up in Portland Manor, New York. Farmer John Maria has been taking our grain since we started. And uh, we get hogs from whenever we can. So the whole system is what? You get spent grain? Spent grain to the farmer? Farm. He feeds his cows with it. Cows, chickens, goats. Um, brings us meat all the time. And then every now and again we get some uh, pork. Because he gives the, he gives the uh, pigs the uh, yeast. And they literally slurp down the yeast, get drunk, live a good life, and then we eat them. Wow. Well, the big story about you guys is that you're making some type of sour beer. or What, what, what are the new initiatives you're doing at your new brewery? 
Well, we got more room, so more barrels. Uh, are you doing sour beer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And how are you doing that? And what like format? Uh, bottled, uh, bottled and draft, um, aged in uh, wine barrels for the most part. Um, the hops and roses that we poured today was uh, one of those new beers, and um, yeah, just having more room allows you to have more fun, really. Dude, it's so awesome, man! So good to talk to you, Jimmy. It's one thing I love about coming up here at Cooperstown. There's brewers, there's home brewers, there's guys hanging out. We're gonna make a toast and cheers. Thank you so much to everybody, GreatBrewers.com, our sponsor, and at Beer Sessions Radio. We'll see you next week on Heritage Radio Network. Thank you. Cheers, Jimmy. Thanks, man. Pleasure's always. I'll see some pig. Absolutely. Eat, eat up. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're up here in Cooperstown, New York at the Omegang Belgian Comes Cooperstown Festival. Uh, one of the aspects of this awesome fest that we're here drinking beer, eating food, is that uh, they have some chefs doing competitions called Hop Chefs. You know, F Top Chefs. It's Hop Chefs. And Omegang's been sponsoring it uh, for the last few months. They did a, co- a regional competition in Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Albany, and uh, they brought in a chef from last year who won another food event they did, Tommy Harder, the, the Blind Tiger Chef. Tommy, you were in Hop Chefs today. You didn't win. But tell us about the event and uh, what it was like. Because you made really good food, and it was four really good chefs making beer and food pairings. Tell us about the experience. Well, like you said, I, I actually did this last year, and the competition was totally different. This one, uh, we came in, and like you said, the other chefs actually won a competition in some other town to actually be able to come up and come compete. And I was kind of thrown in a last minute kind of thing, I feel like, because uh, I won last year. But to compete, uh, we could do basically whatever we wanted. Just had to take one Omegon beers and pair it in some way um, and make a great dish. And the chefs that came up here, they made some amazing dishes. Like, every one of them, I was just, uh, I was surprised. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even think of that. So, uh, what are the chefs did you like? I mean, I know there was some guys paired with hennepin. Yeah. Someone did a crab cake. Tell us about the other chefs and, and, the, and the actual dish that you made. Yeah. Uh, actually, to tell you, the, the experience of today, actually, I had a great time with... Uh, um, the man from uh, D.C., the one from D.C., we were there all day. He would made the crab cakes that I thought were really great. He, We were having a great time together. Jeff we just Ang, Jeff Ang won uh, yeah, uh, Jeff, that's right. the, the D.C. regional, you know, top hop chefs competition. He was here today. The one, actually, I was I, I liked a lot was, uh, what did they call it? It was Hop Over the Garden. Uh, James from uh, Jamie, Albany. Jamie Ortiz, from Albany. Everything he had, he had layers of things going on. And two different little uh, uh, condiments basically going together. The corn cake, the braised rabbit. I thought it was excellent. I really thought it was really excellent. And uh, what I actually made, um, I tried to take the Abbey which I thought was going to be something very bold because I know everybody else maybe kind of maybe like uh, had a hennepin or rare Voss. What was your dish, Tom? And I took the Abbey Ale, and I made actually a duck cake. And so I took a, basically the idea of a crab cake, but I braised the duck duck legs in the Abbey Ale and then turned around and made that uh, braising liquid into uh, a mole sauce, mole, uh, mole rojo. And then I uh, paired it with a pickled fennel, uh, a fig and foie gras mousse, duck cracklings, and a little citrus uh, uh, shaved uh, orange zest. 
So it was definitely a very complex dish. There was a lot of things going on. And I had a great team, actually. This is the first time. Last year, I was by myself, basically. But I had a couple of uh, other chefs that came up here to help me out. Uh, one from uh, Whataburger here in Vermont. going to open up pretty soon. Uh, a Whirly burger joint. Burger. Yeah, Whirly Burger. Whirly Burger. What'd you call it? Whataburger? Uh, Whataburger. I'm sorry. That's actually from a movie, yeah. <laughs> Whataburger. But, I mean, like, I had a great team, and we had a great time to actually today. I, I This is the first time I actually had a lot of fun uh, cooking in a tent, sweating the whole entire time. <laughs> yeah, Tommy, I thought that was the perfect dish for a 100-degree day. Yeah. Foie gras and, and duck. Oh, very rich, yeah. yeah like, yeah, like no, no one's was, sweating already. Yeah, yeah I was like... I, I, like a little spice. I was in there. I was actually pretty cool, and I ate that, and it, it raised my temperature about 105 degrees. <laughs> well, Tommy, I'll give you the backstory. I was a judge, Jimmy Carboni, and Jimmy number 40. I was a judge for the Hop Chefs today. Yeah. And I will say, I liked yours the best. I mean, you had... It was the duck, whatever, and it was... Spicy, but somehow the Omegang Abbey Ale really like paired with it well, and I think everyone said yes. Omegang Abbey is a good beer to to pair with. Yeah. So, did they tell you to pair the beers, or did they tell you to cook with beers? Um, what was the focus of the event today? No, actually, uh, they gave it was like a five different criteria where there was uh, to pair, to contrast. Another uh, one was to um, use the beer. Another one was to mimic the flavors. And the last category was to experiment with. And what that was, it was like, there were, that just basically opened a lot of doors of saying, like, oh, is it going to be a contrast? Is it going to be a mimic? Is it going to be, what are you going to do? Uh, you can cook with a beer, and it could be totally different, where you don't even know the beer is there. And so this, actually, I, I took this as, like, an opportunity to, uh, I took the last category as, as experiment. I cooked it with it, I mimicked it, I tried to take and dissect every flavors of the beer and put it into a dish that would also uh, pair with the beer as well. And I, and I have to say, it, it was the, the, the beer really, it was the one dish I thought that really complemented, you know, the beer complemented the, the dish and vice versa. It really, it augmented it. The rest of them were good pairings, but it didn't make it into something else. And I think and one thing the one I don't, I want to do it differently too is actually, I, because this is an Omegon event, it's a BCTC, and the Omegon beer is what is the, you know, the focus. So I wanted to take the beer and make the food basically uh, heighten all the great flavors of the beer. I mean, it's a great beer, so why not make a dish uh, that's savory, uh, has the richness, whatever that contrast, so everything that that beer could do, and pair it, but something that it's you know <laughs> has a little more body. <laughs> it's not liquid. <laughs> Being out here with here at uh, you know, I call it Green Fest, but it's Belgian comes Cooperstown. You know, how many beers can I try? And you know two days. Dave knows he can try a lot. Last year we had our Earthbred brought out a, a special uh, Ray Dieter beer. Um, today my f- favorite beer was from South Carolina, a Goza. And uh, here's the woman who brought it. Tell us about the beer and, and why you brought it and the name of the beer and all that stuff. Well, this is a great segue talking about food and beer pairings because a Goza is a traditional salt beer. Uh, it's actually brewed with salt and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's tart. It's got a lot of uh, dimension and flavor and it pairs really well with a lot of savory dishes. It can even contrast uh, sweet What's dishes. What's your name? My name is Amy. And where are you from? I'm from Dartmouth, Massachusetts. So what beer did you bring us that I love so much? I brought a Goza from Westbrook Brewing in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Uh, it's a 4%, again, like I was saying, salt beer. And uh, it's just a very light, 
uh, drinkable, refreshing style that has been fantastic in the the higher temperatures that we've been experiencing. And um, you know, it's a style that is underappreciated. It's not brewed a whole lot, but when it is and it's done right, it can be absolutely incredible. So it's been a real pleasure sharing it, uh, knowing that a lot of people probably have not had this beer uh, particularly and beers from Westbrook in general because they're a new brewery on the scene. They've, they've been cranking out beer for about a year and a half, two years, uh, and it's nice to introduce a lot of people to you know a brewery that's really moving and shaking. One thing that is so special about this fest is that this beer wasn't entered into competition. This beer wasn't in the you know main tent of beers. This is the, a beer that one of our enthusiasts brought, and all of us are drinking it, hanging out, and uh, you know this is one of the most special events in here. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love it. Thank the you, Jimmy. from South Carolina. Cheers, buddy. This is what you have right in front of you. This is this is may the goza. One more time. You absolutely may. Thank you for tuning in to Beer Sessions Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com and our friends at The Good Brew Seal who helped to make this podcast possible. In addition, thank you to Brewery Omegang for being such open and gracious hosts and to our guests Simon Thorpe, Phil Leinhart, Dave Broderick, Bill Herlicka, Sean Lawson, Tommy Hodder, and Scott Ficaro. Also thanks to Brie O'Connor, Aaron Fairbanks, and Luke Manson for technical support and our hometown Brooklyn team, Jack Inslee and Joe Galarraga at the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. In some of my songs I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more... Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.